Welcome to the Crypto Gaming Institute podcast. I'm your host, Ben Gothard, founder of the Crypto Gaming Institute, and I'm here to welcome you to the show, to the revolution, and to the metaverse. So without any further ado, please enjoy this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crypto Gaming Institute podcast. Today, we have a legendary fighter, a legendary fighting game maker. We have the one, the only, William Fagan. How are you doing today, man? Very well, brother. How are you? Dude, I'm doing so good. I was so excited to talk to you today because off pod... I was doing a little bit of research into the different projects that you have, and I was really, really hoping it was legit because the more I read, the more I loved. And then talking to you for just even a few minutes, um, you know, it, it really brought everything home and you, you really shed a light onto the things you're doing in, in such a really cool way. So I definitely want to uh, talk about a few things here today with you. I want to talk about your story and how you really got into this. Um, I want to hear about the projects that you're working on, and then I want to talk about the industry as a whole. So uh, without further ado, let's hop right in. I would love to hear how you really got into the whole crypto gaming space to begin with. Thank you. Um, Wow. I I guess it's sort of a a coming together of the things I did previously. So it's kind of just organic, right? Like I jumped into crypto in 2017, so pretty late. I was checking out Bitcoin in 2013. I was having crazy ideas and stuff, but life took a different turn. And um, I got into fight promotion, sort of running MMA events across Australia and sort of building the sport of MMA over here. So that was the main thing I did. I got into the combat sports scene pretty heavily, got into martial arts Um, and then came back to crypto in 2017, started hunting moonshots, learning, you know, technical analysis, learning a bit about fundamental analysis, going on that same sort of journey that everyone goes on. Um, and I guess over the years, I didn't really get get too far. I, I didn't dive into crypto, right? I stayed combat sports until COVID. And COVID shut down combat sports in Australia. Like it's it's been shut down for two years here, um, two and a half years, however long, since the very beginning. All combat sports has been shut down basically the whole time. So I sort of pivoted. I got more involved in crypto, um, sort of what thought about trading and trading my way up and sort of providing myself for myself that way. Um, then I thought about marketing other projects or getting involved with other projects, sort of trying to use whatever real world experience I had in the scene. Um, so I just started sort of helping out where I could with some projects that will let me, right? I wasn't trying to get money or anything. Um, and then somewhere along the way, I had this sort of, idea of what I wanted to build like look in all my life I've done combat sports I've done charity I've run a charity for a few years combating um well empowering survivors of sexual assault um and gaming was sort of like I don't know all through my childhood man I was like I escaped into gaming I love gaming I've always wanted to make games I've always wanted to be involved with a studio just I've never had the technical ability and I'm not an artist. So it was a weird ingredient, but man, earlier this year, it just all came together. I realized what I could do. I realized we could leverage crypto into the charitable side. I could create a great product through a gaming studio and could really dive into the play to earn scene and sort of fulfill a lot of things I wanted to do. But while I brought my combat sports network to the project, so I sort of combined everything I've ever done, my whole network, all into one sort of thing. So <laughs> it's a hard thing to wrap up in a couple of short sentences, really. I will That's ramble. Incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. Even, even with myself, I found that I, I found that too, where the, the crypto gaming space, it really brings together everything else that you've ever done in your entire life. And yeah. the the web of your connections, your skills, your beliefs, what you've learned, they all intersect here. And it's crazy to me that that 
that that happens like that. But almost everybody that I talk to, it's the same story. Uh, it, not not the same story as far as you know the different trials and tribulations you've been through personally, but the, the same concept of all paths led, led to this. And I'm yeah. not sure, I'm not sure why, but it's incredible. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's part of the whole digitalization of everything. It's sort of like the the universe is entering the metaverse kind of mm -hmm. thing, mm -hmm. where everyone's bringing themselves to the to the party, I guess, That's to right. the culture. It's yeah, it's very cool, very very cool to see. Okay, I definitely want to talk about the metaverse and crypto gaming as a whole. Uh, but I want to I want to jump back for a second. So I believe you said in 2017, something happened where you came back into crypto. Was that just a function of the bull run that was happening, or was there totally. something else? Okay. <laughs> totally, absolutely. Um, my little one was on the way. You know, like I was I was setting up a new brand, um, sort of like a an amateur MMA event run like a pro event. So a very biggish show, um, a regular biggish show. Um, and I was really occupied with that. And some people I was kind of working with were really getting into crypto and it sort of brought my attention back to it. I had a huge hiatus away from it for a few years. Something you regret as soon as you come back to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, for real. But yeah, it's yeah. So they just got me into it and I was super casual. I would consider myself a casual crypto person. Like I loved it, always talking about it, always thinking about it, but still, you know, I look around and just you're surrounded by people that know so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like there's so many geniuses out there in their different little fields, and there's, there's so many crypto geniuses. Like I know there's not a single person who knows everything, but there's some people that know so, a lot of shit, a lot of alpha. And mm -hmm. so I've always felt like a bit of a junior floating around, um, trying to follow the people who had great alpha. And um, that didn't actually change very much coming into Fight Coin and Fight Legends, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I, I still feel like that there's just I'm, I'm blessed to get to work with people that are really amazing and know a lot of things I'm just passionate I'm that kind of passionate guy with the vision and a massive network and some experience that's relevant and just some dreams and it's sort of it's just sort of coming together mm -hmm. and more and more these great people come to us and connect with us and it's just it is an incredible experience I've got to tell you that wow so I want to, again, I want to get to it. I want to talk about all the different projects, um, but I want to make sure we cover our basis here and, and get to it in the history. So as you were getting back into the, into the world of crypto and then uh, the pandemic hit, so the MMA was getting shut down, it seems like the world kind of pushed you back into this world. And what I'm curious about is, you said you started working with other projects in the beginning. How did you actually find those, those projects and what did you do? Like, how did you provide value to it? Cause I know a lot of people want to get in, but they don't know yeah. how or, or what to do. So these were, were small, small projects and I would just offer community help running the community. Right. So you go offer to be a mod, like be active in the community talk to them, be interested in the project. I would always be like, oh, I've invested a little bit in this. And then I'd look at them and be like, hey, I feel like they're maybe not pushing the envelope here, here and here. Maybe I can help them push that envelope. So I'd offer my like time and effort to do that, whether it's community management or shilling at the time with some of those shit coins or just so social media engagement, um, blowing up, helping manage their socials, make, like, projects need a lot of social media management and community management like that's a heavy human resource burden on a project especially as they start to get busy and so quite often there's gaps there there's there's room to put your hand up and be like hey can i help out and then you sort of get to know some teams as well and you're like you you never know where you could end up or what your um skill sets could be um yeah, I mean, I've, I've, with Fight Legends and Fight Coin, the same sort of things happen. I've seen people come up as community leaders and end up as social media managers and running this and that. It's, yeah, some people have actual skill sets they can contribute. Like one of, one of the animators and illustrators in our studio was in our community first and just an active member of our community and then saw that we were hiring and expanding and popped his hand up and bam, um, he was a good fit. So now we have him full time um and permanent um 
there's lots of opportunities. You just got to communicate with teams and see what they need and see where they're going. I think if people are looking to get into that. That's incredible. So you literally went out and it seemed, were you on Telegram or Discord or Twitter or like, yeah, how did yeah, you? Yeah, just, mm-hmm. just Telegram. Twitter's great as well. You hit up people on Twitter. A lot of people will hit you back. Mm-hmm. Like we, we've found connections with VCs for that. We've found connections, people to work with us, employees and our team now. Um, yeah, make a lot of good connections on Twitter. But yeah, I was just trolling around Telegram, man. I was hunting moonshots. <laughs> I was getting deep in that sort of, I wanted, I remember I made like 35X in a day on Hungry Bear. They were going <laughs> to, they were going <laughs> to freaking feed the bears. <laughs> that was the whole jam. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> the website looks neat and people are amped. I would jump on and I made 35X for people. I was like, yes, it's amazing. The project didn't do shit. The amount of vote, <laughs> what amazes me, these, I go with some little tangents here, but man, if a project's yeah. taking 5%, 5% of volume, of all, I, I, if they've got a 5% redistribution tax and that's destined for charity, they should be doing millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of charity, right? Mm-hmm. That's maths. Like these projects are not, there's a lot of, pro- <laughs> there was a lot of shonky charity projects back then. Um, oh, I yeah, think that, I was still hunting moonshots. Totally, totally. Um, I was hunting moonshot, moonshots and I think there was like, it was pleasant because then just beyond there, I saw play to earn gaming. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. I'll head in that direction. And that was so pleasant compared to the vibe of moonshots, getting into the NFT space with all the artists, getting into games like just playing some play to earn games is it's a lovely spot in crypto when you find it mm-hmm. it's really cool that's where i ended up and that's where i was like shit i gotta do this i want to do a game studio look our first idea was to hire a lot of really 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 clever blockchain people and provide a service to independent game studios helping them nft themselves right mm-hmm. like we would oh you know that was the first concept i'm like nah I want to make games. I really, really, really want, want to make games. And the rest sort of just attached to that. I mean. That is so, I, I really feel like that path is such a, I, so many people go, go down the path of going into that shitcoin space, being, being kind of uh, tempted by the 100x, 1000x gains in four minutes uh, selling point. And then I feel like a lot of people get chewed up and spit out and you're kind of scraping the bottle of the, of the barrel there. But if you can make it through that into the real, the, you know, the, the real gems of yeah. the play to earn the gaming, this, this beautiful thing of the metaverse, it's like you've entered freaking Valhalla. I mean, you've just, <laughs> you've transcended to uh, to this amazing amazing space uh yeah. I, I mean i know i know personally i too have had my run-ins with shit coins and i actually got introduced to the space through that and i didn't even know what i, I didn't even realize that's what it was at the time but as long as you just kind of keep powering through and then you know avoiding the you know the 12 percent uh rebate that'll compound continuously and you know you'll have a trillion x in 10 minutes and you just get to the real stuff like that's where the beauty is so i'm i'm curious when you finally decided okay you're moving from let's hire devs and provide a service to okay let me just start my own um what were the steps that you actually took like how did you decide it seems like the mma to the fight is that's a pretty obvious, um, a pretty obvious one too, but like, how did you actually go about it? I mean, did you start writing code? Did you start partnering with devs? Did you fork out a lot of cash up front? Like what were the steps that you went through to go from nothing to what you have now? And then now would be a great time to actually kind of talk through what those different things are now that we have a good foundation. Sure, sure. So I knew my base ingredients, right? I knew there'd be a tax for Fight Fund. I knew that I would build building a game studio. And I, I've got friends over the years that now work in the industry as devs. Um, 
So they, I, you know, they immediately came to mind as well. So I went and had chats with them to ask questions, um, make sure I was making the right choices and educate myself on all the little things I needed for the, I guess, my own internal roadmap. Um, so I mapped it out. You've got to map it out really well first. So you've got a good idea. Um, and then I went on all three directions. I rang some friends in the martial arts world and was like, hey, I want to do this fight fund thing. I spoke to them just for the charity, right? I wasn't thinking about anything else initially with them. I wanted to word them up on that and see who, make sure that we had, could get the ball rolling on some of that um, to make that an ingredient from the very, very, very beginning to give it strength, right? So straight away went and got uh, my mate who's a, you know, he's a, been the president of the Australian Kickboxing Association, Waco and the Oceania and, you know, ex-world champion karate dude and has a massive network just like myself, but of many people I don't quite know as well. And he was all for it. So he came on board full time um, and started working with martial arts federations and bringing them to us and getting the ball rolling on all our partnerships with the sort of global federations, national federations and continental federations across MMA, kickboxing, karate, and so on. Um, and to start seeding, uh, sort of scoping out areas where we could make some strong impact initially. So we looked at refugee camps, looked at an amazing person there that we work with. Uh, we looked at child sex trafficking. We've looked at it in Australia, we're connecting with um, special trauma kickboxing classes for female survivors of sexual abuse. So we've got a, a bunch of really cool things that we're starting to support that we can be highly effective in. At simultaneously, um, I, I sought out my dev. I needed a dev, right? And so I reached out to a friend and he came at it. So he's been full-time for quite some time. Our Unity dev, um, which is the seed of the game studio. He got to work straight away before I even realized, to be honest, I was running around doing other stuff for weeks. He pops up and he's like, hey, I've done all this. I'm like, holy shit, I didn't think you'd begun yet. <laughs> um, so that was amazing. So, so like right Those are the best the start, people. All, Those are the best oh, people. He, they are the best people. He is a, he's like a one in a billion, this dude. Like, mate, the first day I met him, I met him to talk about this, like way back, um, the first time I met him in person. So I think maybe we met before. I don't know. I didn't, don't remember. Anyway, we caught up and instead of talking about the game studio, we ended up speaking for like four hours about just philosophical shit, the universe and like people and psychology, all this crazy stuff. It's just a great bonding session. And then we got to the game and, you know, he's a very, very, very special person. Um, breathes great life into the studio as well. Um, well, those are the people that, that, those are the people that you work the best with, that it's the, it's the connection up front, at least from my experiences, it's the connection up front that you know, like you know what they're what they're thinking, like you know what you know how they feel about things, like that on the philosophical level, and from mm. there, that actually gives you a really strong, uh, like base operational system, like a like an OS with which to move forward together, because you know where you're both coming from. I found that that's really, really powerful for a team to actually hash that out on the front end and then move into the actual, you know, mechanical work after that. That is so true. That is so true. If you understand how a person ticks, you kind of understand the why behind a lot of what happens. And the more you understand the why behind the what happens, the just the better everything works. The better you understand them and can work with them. Yeah, totally. Love it. 100%. So it's, that's been great, man. And um, yeah, he's pumping out stuff. So we have had immediately right from the start, Fight Fund was going, the game was going. Like this is the idea had been hatched only a couple of weeks earlier, but it was sort of growing and going. Mm -hmm. And Megan popped up within a, you know, a couple of weeks of that as well. And she's, a, she's our chief marketing officer. And she's, you know, she's full blue chip. This lady's incredible. Mm -hmm. But she came, she's worked for Universal Music, Burger King, um, Kids Channel, some Nickelodeon, one of the other kiddie ones. <laughs> Basically, she's been blue chip for 25 years. Mm -hmm. So having her around has been really, really great to sort of glean um, thoughts of how to structure this and build this and work on various areas. 
And that'll, yeah. So that's been really cool. So basically early on, we started building that team. Anton as well. Um, this guy's, you know, he runs solar stuff and does tech stuff. Has been doing it for like 20 years. Runs mm-hmm. a lot of remote teams. So he has that experience. And a lot of times when you're starting off, you might be engaging remote people because, mm-hmm. you you know, you if you're bootstrapping something, you're, initially you're being careful with how, what you spend yep. um, and you need to get some traction. So we engage some remote remotes along the way. Mm-hmm. And having Anton in to sort of make sure that worked really well was a great benefit. And so the early people that came just had really good value and were really aligned with what we were doing, really believed in it. Sort of we built it as we went, developed a contract, got ourselves a Solidity developer, um, started having, we, to be honest, we cloned the SafeMoon contract. We figured it's been used by millions of people now. It's as big as it is, it's got a mm-hmm. lot of exposure and it doesn't seem to be flawed. Why don't we yank that and fine tune it for what we want? Mm-hmm. So we did that. Um, then we had a, an Australian cybersecurity firm run an, a really deep audit through it. And they found a, a bunch of sort of mid-level vulnerabilities that SafeMoon hadn't corrected. And so we fixed them um, and reordered it, it twice. And now it's the perfect contract so that's how that's our token fight coin and we did that very early on as well so started the game studio built a token that was safe and strong um kick-started the charity uh with our own money as well we did a bit of work just to sort of again prove the concept we wanted proof of concept yeah i wanted mm-hmm. to build a bit of traction on, on every part of the idea um and that's what we did that's how we started so when, and I want to, I want to make sure we stay really organized of like, I'm going to tackle every single project and make sure we, we totally nail that down. But be- before we get there, when you were first starting up and you're adding people to the team, I feel like for a lot of founders, this is probably a really, really big issue for them. Um, I know I faced this issue in the past, so I'm interested how you kind of solved it or your approach or your, your philosophy towards it. When you're building a team, you, you have this, almost this duality of it is your project. It is something that you love. It is something that not that many people, if anybody is going to love it as much as you, at least in the beginning, at the same time, you, you need other people because you can't do everything yourself. So as you're bringing people in, how do you both protect the, in, the, the, the project from a perspective of, well, you don't want to give, you don't want to give everything away to where you don't have the ability to make good decisions. And how do you protect yourself to where at the end of the day, you're still eight, you like, you still have the resources to do what you need to do. And let's face it. And this may be, I don't think anybody would, at least in this space, would argue with me here, but it could be controversial in some spaces. But I believe if you build something of great value, you deserve to be rewarded in direct proportion to the value that you create and capture, right? So if you're building a multi, if you're building a hundred billion dollar organization, you deserve to be a billionaire if you've done it the right way and gone through the, you know, the proper procedures and so on and so forth. So I, I firmly yeah. believe that. So how did you think about the structure of this, the ability to bring on team members without losing your ability to lead this project and protect yourself to where when it does blow up, you still get to capture an appropriate amount of upside? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um very very complex question (laughs) Uh, no look i to answer the part about the hiring of the people um most people i hired right so they're coming in to do a a very specific job so there's they've definitely got to align with the vision you know they've got to understand what we're doing they've got to get the why they've got to get what they've got to be aligned with the project somewhat but they're coming in to do a specific role. And sometimes definitely, depending on the role, can, this can pop up with marketing, it can pop up with dev, it can pop up all over the place. They want to do things their own way. Um, and you've got to kind of, th- that's okay. As long as it 
is in line with the vision. So you, there's someone that has to hold to the vision of the project and keep the project the project um, with the willingness to be flexible, to pivot and whatever may need to come if, if that's the way you go. But um, that hasn't really been much of a problem. Like it, it has specifically what you've mentioned has popped up at least once. Um, but that's when you've got to step in and know, know what you, I guess you just got to know yourself and know, know what you want for your project and be able to protect that in the case that someone that's working with you or for you, either one wants to, isn't quite getting that. Okay. So it's like people will have great intentions and great visions of their own. And sometimes they're not quite aligned with where the project's going. That is hundred percent true. And it's your job if, you, if you're the founder or you're in charge or whatever, you've, you've got to be able to sort of stick to that. And while allowing people to contribute, while allowing people to give their, what, what they're great at, because like I'm not a great dev and I'm not a great artist. Like I understand when things are shit and I understand when things are great um, and I understand the vision, but I'm, you know, you need to let these people be able to create and give them some room to move. Otherwise, you'll strangle yourself. That's um, such an interesting answer. <laughs> so, so then from the so it seems like you need to basically you need to basically be shepherding this group of people towards the vision without putting them in a chokehold to where they don't have the flexibility to be creative and do their do their work is what I'm kind of hearing. Yeah. Absolutely, because like you need to you need to find people better than you at, mm -hmm. at certain parts of what you're building. Otherwise, you you do it right. There's right that, that that's that's what you need, and you need to get that out of people and position people correctly and give them what they need to be able to provide that and and understand whether or not they're a good fit. So you'll have people that come and go, and like good people will go, but the, that's because they they might be better suited to something else. Um, and you just need to keep trying to find those people that are really aligned with what you're trying to build. Mm, I love that. I love that. So to just kind of come back at this from one other angle, and then, you know, I recognize we're, uh, we're, we're uh, doing pretty good on time, but, you know, I want to be cognizant of that. Um, when you are adding people to the team and then you're expanding and you're growing, how do you handle the, and, you know, without getting into any sensitive information, but how do you at least think about the ownership structure of I, that, the actual project? Yeah. So um, as far as a project, as far as sort of the, the business side goes, I simply declared myself sort of like the, the, I don't know, the grand poober. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the one. There's, I'm the only person that owns any of it and will own, be the, I'll be the final decision maker on anything that is not previously decided should be um, sort of Taoized, right? So like there's group decisions and there's group input and there's some decisions that you can put to a DAO or put to a committee or put to a team, but there's some decisions that will end up ultimately needing to just be one person. So that's just me. So I, re I just retain full ownership and I did declare that right at the start. like. Some, some people I was working with were like, maybe we should do it this way or that way. And I'm like, no, I've, I've seen vulnerabilities appear when a small committee of people run a thing. Mm -hmm. um, whereas it, I, I think I love DAOs and I love group decisions. Like I'm always pushing it off me to make it a group thing. I'm super like that, but mm -hmm. it, it helps to retain complete control in order to have that freedom, I guess. You need to be able to veto stuff when the group says something dumb or wants, wants something wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, so it, is that more of like a, um, there's like a, there's, there's a corporate entity or maybe not corporate, but there's like a, a business yeah. entity behind the scenes and that owns the assets. And so people are interacting with the entity but your head honcho at the entity. And of, yeah. of course, I'm, I'm not trying to get into sensitive information, but I just oh, think this is so incredibly important for yep. founders and, and people listening. Totally, totally. So yeah, 
Um, we have a registered proprietary limited and we're setting up a, a bit more of a complex company structure that's not set up yet. But for now, we're just a standard proprietary limited in Australia. Mm -hmm. That business is just purely owned by myself. Um, so I'm full responsibility and full um, final decision on all that sort of jazz. Hires. people hires developers um it pays all the bills so like that entity is the sort of the real world business because you need that legitimate business side of things to be able to i believe you know yes. a lot of the business requires legitimacy so we we decided to be full legitimate out in the open since day one like we can be completely non-anonymous register mm -hmm. a company employ people properly um put people on contracts if they want the contracts Otherwise, you know, we just take it as it, as it is and um, fully insured. You know, we work with lawyers and accountants and we just make sure everything's done right, like a real world business. But mm -hmm. then you've got like your crypto side, the tokens. Yeah, where I don't think I'll be the largest token holder come TGE. So, you know, that is what it is. <laughs> um, but I hold enough to be okay. Um, mm -hmm. I bought them myself in the seed round. I did mm -hmm. that, which was cool. So help fund the business. Um, and yeah, that's sort of the, the structure. So when you were then approaching uh, different investors and uh, people with cash to help fund the projects, was it, uh, were they trying to come after that that corporate entity or were you talking to them solely on like a token level to really keep it separated? Like how did you? Yeah. Solely on a token level. Um, the whole time at no point have I ever discussed with anyone purchasing part of the entity and I wouldn't not for not. So, you know, that, that, that is reserved for a window, probably 12 to 20 more, 24 months from now. Mm -hmm. Where you're looking at a, like a really massive series B or whatever, you know, like where you're looking at that, okay, we need to expand this from a sort of a $4 million operation to a 40, you know, we want to, we want to, mm -hmm. we, we found our niche. We like put ourselves next to the big boys and now we want to be the best, right? Like where mm -hmm. we go, okay, how do we be better than street fighter? How do we be better than Tekken? How do we make ourselves like the most iconic fight game, at least for a period in time. Right. So mm -hmm um that's when we that's when we look at selling a minority percentage of the game studio real world business for a very large sum of capital that would that would empower us to do that you know that's when we go okay well let's flip this from a popular indie crypto studio to a fully fledged AAA studio that was born in the crypto space and brought with it that core community that was there from day one helping build the first flagship game we ever built you know in that future that's that's pretty sexy i'd like to see tens of thousands of crypto degenerates as our core community members <laughs> as we rise up to be the greatest triple a fight game on the planet you know <laughs> i love that shit um i think that'd be cool i, I like to see a world right look at esports right so like every esports competition is balanced if you look at combat sports look at ufc you don't balance out the fighters you put them in the same weight class sure mm -hmm. but like if i'm stronger faster and more technical than you, you just good luck you know and if, if right versa, <laughs> right like that's what that's the point of the game but in, mm -hmm. in esports it's leveled so it's just the technical controller the dudes can like it's not his character every character is leveled i'd like to see a side league like a, a different category of league where the esports players play with the custom characters they've developed, like the mm -hmm. custom NFT based characters they've developed. So they've had to grind or buy, like get sponsors and buy the best, mm -hmm. you know, like the most leveled up character in a fight game with the best items you can possibly find in this massive game and equip them and fight with that fucker. So like, if you've got like 98 strength and 97 speed and whatever, whatever, just hypothetically, mm -hmm. you know, and the other guy's different because his fighter, he didn't spend as much money or grind for quite as long enough. You're going to fighting each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. 
so like a, a sort of a new category that's sort of more aligned with the progression of NFT asset characters in games. That's a super side tangent that I just went on. Well, I love it. I love it. No, no, no. Let's. This is the whole point of this is to go on these fun tangents. I mean, that is incredible. <laughs> that's going to absolutely change the way that the world sees esports. I mean, I, and I love everything about gaming and, and esports. That's how. Yeah. Okay. I love it. So, um, okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, the different entities and let's just get them super, super clear. And then yep. I want to talk a little bit about the future. Uh, and uh, again, I want to be very cognizant of your time. So oh, we, okay. have, um, we have Fight Legends, right? Yeah. Which is the actual game. We have the NFT side, which is Bloody Faces. We have the fight fund and we have fight, which is the, the philanthropic piece. And we have fight coin, which is the actual token behind the game. Um, please correct me if I'm wrong. And, and let's just, you know, let's just kind of paint that picture of the whole ecosystem uh, one more time, just to make sure it's super, super clear. And everybody's totally on the same page. Sure. That's a, that's a hundred percent correct what you've said so you've got fight legends is the game um bloody faces is one of the one set of nfts in the game it's basically uh the secret society of the bloody faces one secret society anyway it's it's deeply entrenched in law and holders of that nft will get bonuses right so they'll get a special shop in the game perhaps with revenue share from the shop to the holders, depending on legalities. Um, but they will get exclusive NFTs, exclusive buildings. So it'll feel like you're part of a, you'll be playing the game, but you'll have access to shit no one else does if you're a bloody face. It's just mm -hmm. got a whole heap of law behind it. Um, and then that gets you pre-sale access to our Fight Legends NFT drop, which is a 10K drop. There's only 3,333 bloody faces. But the 12th of the 12th, we're going to do the Fight Legends drop. Um, it's 10,000 trainers. And this is an important thing with the game is, so you imagine Street Fighter, right? But then mm -hmm. imagine Pokemon where you've got your trainer and your Pokemon. You catch the Pokemon, you train the Pokemon, you evolve the Pokemon, you fight the Pokemon and your trainers kind of like running around doing all that. Mm -hmm. So we have trainers. They don't run around because that's not the shape of the game, but they're a, they're a profile pick sort of avatar that exists in the game. So you'll assign him to your gym or you'll mm -hmm. assign him to your team of fighters that's running around fighting at, through all the stages. So these trainers have unique attributes where they provide passive bonuses to the fighters that you're collecting in our game and training. So the fighters level up. Um, that's part oh, of the cool. play-to-earn structure. Um, they will train in the gym while you're away from the keyboard and they'll gain a lot more experience as they fight and grind and so on. Like, mm -hmm. uh, there is an arcade mode or an esports mode where mm -hmm. you don't need to upgrade your fighter, right? So that's for competitive play. That's for play to win or play for fun. Um, but the play to earn players will be upgrading their NFTs to sell them to play for fun and play to earn people. Sort of like a, yeah, a bit of an advancement on the normal play to earn structure. Um, anyway. 12th to 12th, Fight Legends NFT drop. They're the trainers. Um, they'll all be unique and their traits and their bonuses will all be unique as well. So they'll have great in-game utility, mm -hmm. but so will the bloody faces. They will be, yeah, it's a special club. And we're going to do like, we're going to do like a Squid Game sort of NFT drop for the bloody faces, but like not even show the public. We're just going to do some real crazy stuff for that sort of secret society, but also bloody faces NFT holders will be the people that are first playing the game. So as soon as they mint a bloody face, they will be able to use that NFT to go get access to the current build of our game. That they'll be so they're they're trailing behind us by like a couple of weeks. Oh wow. Right. So like we we do stuff, we dev stuff, and then we save a build after a bit of testing, and then we give it to the bloody faces to play. And they can they can like report on the game mid-game or whatever. So they can communicate back to us what they think and feel as they play the game. Um, we can really do, we basically like a big testing team, but with active input on how we develop the game. 
So it'll be really, really cool space to get into. And we'll like, we'll reserve some of that for some esports people um, or bring some esports people towards that as well. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a really cool thing, the bloody faces. But it is just one secret society aspect of the Fight Legends universe. Um, then the trainer drop, and then the, the fighters themselves are also NFTs, but they're sold in sets. So you'll have like, um, I don't know what we're going to call him yet. His name's Ross Levine. He's an actual glory kickboxer, an undefeated kickboxer in real life and a mm-hmm. karate champion. And he's on um, Karate Combat, the biggest um, sort of pro karate, full contact karate tournament in the world, like GSP and Bass Rutan kind of host it. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, he's a champ and he's officially in our game. So he's just one of the first characters we've developed. We've got like a long line of people who are combat sports stars wanting to be in the game, past and present. Mm-hmm. But we thought we'd start with Ross because we're doing a lot of stuff with the sports karate world as well through Fight Fun. And um, yeah, I that's can't amazing. remember where I was going with that. <laughs> so that's, that's the game. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about. Um, Let's talk a little bit about esports. Um, yeah. And I know I'm kind of rushing through, uh, but I really, really want to cover at least a little bit of everything here. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe we'll have you back on, uh, you know, a little bit later. We can continue the conversation. But um, when it comes to the esports, I think that's the future is, yeah. is when you, when you, we already have crypto gaming. And that that is that's the future, but that is the present as well. I mean, that's here. We've arrived as of the recording of this. Um, but I think esports is when esports realizes what's going on in the in the metaverse. That is going to take this whole thing to just a completely different level. So when it comes to the esports, like, are you seeing? Are you seeing professional esports organizations build teams or is it going to be more of like individuals who are just total badasses that are rising to the top? Is it going to be a mixture of both? Are there going to be like, you know, five on five fights, two V two fights? Like where do you see the esports part of this coming into fight legends and then we can kind of back our way into where the whole industry is going after that yeah totally i think there's going to be a bit of fluidity with that i think there's going to be a lot of testing the waters to see what sticks and see what works Mm -hmm. um but very early on we're going to be hosting massive like a world tournament like a world title in fight legends and it'll be individuals it'll be mostly esports individuals mostly people coming across that play fight games i guess play the other ones coming into this because we're going to put some good work into prize money and sort of some star power and get a lot of try and try and connect the stars of real combat sports and entertainment Mm -hmm. to what the esports guys are doing all right so like yeah bring bring a lot of the element of the way you see i mean it's already happening it's already happening with league and with a lot of other tournaments where Esports tournaments look incredible. Like they look like the greatest combat sports event on the planet and it's esports. Mm-hmm. They, they're killing it what they do. Yep. Um, so we're going to lean right into that, but just bring some people from outside of esports into it and really pair it up, really connect combat sports with esports, connect martial arts with esports and connect fight entertainment with our fighting esports because that's our theme. So we want to really surround ourselves with that. Um, but we'll have huge tournaments for singles. There will be teams. There'll be a lot of working with sponsors to tr- really try and legitimize it all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll That's be amazing. very very interesting. And like, but what, what an area that fascinates me is trying to um, trying to connect the play to earn to the esports side of things, right? Trying to feed <laughs> esports with play to earn, and like that comes back to that thing I was saying earlier where, you know, you need to be able to have that sort of um, an e you need to apply scarcity to what the e-sport players use um, in, in order for play to earn to, to feed it. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like they have yeah. to build out their, their uh, fighters and get them to the point where they're battle ready or else they're just yeah. going to get freaking curb stomped by 
the next guy. Exactly. Esports players have to be purchasing the stuff that play to earn players are discovering in their play. Mm. That, that, that's, mm. that's what has to happen. Right. So you can build a, like, we want to build the most fun fighter on the planet and really dive into the esports arena and capture a lot of that, that, that territory or mm. that space. Um, but we need to feed it with play to earn, I think. Like that's that's a goal. Yep. Like you want your if you if you're building a play to earn economy, that's got to mm-hmm. be the goal. That's and exactly that the solves, word I was going to use. The yeah, economy. and that, that yeah, and that, that sort of solves the biggest common problem with play to earn is that it, you know the the call of it being a pyramid, right? Everyone's like it's just a pyramid. You need you've got people playing to earn and more people playing to earn, and if you don't get more people playing to earn, it dries up. Right. But if if you have people playing for fun. And, mm-hmm. and playing to win, so competitive divisions that rely on the play to earn resources, then it's no longer a pyramid because you have a consumer base. Like, exactly. A, uh, yeah, exactly. So that, that's, that's another reason why esports is so important for the play to earn space. Like we need, we need to crawl out of just being play to earn games. People need to make games and make play to earn just a part of the economy. Like that, mm-hmm. it's a play to earn game. It's not a play to earn game. It's a game, and the economy is play to earn. That's what it should be. If that, if, right. the, if, you, if you get that subtle difference, like we want to build a game within the game, there's so many aspects, right? There's lore and there's mechanics and there's all these different things. There's little cultures within the game, and there's an economy. And what is that economy? It's a play to earn economy mm-hmm. and u- utilizing NFTs. So, you know, it's a player owned economy, player owned and player earned that you just make that your economy you don't build only that and then turn it into a game which is what a lot of people do still mm-hmm. but i think that's changing rapidly there's some incredible games in the space coming oh i can't wait i i can't wait um have you have have you and the team talked about a world at least maybe not now but but later on where you know, once we get into the whole virtual reality and, you know, you're putting on your, you're putting on your glasses and you're, you know, you're instantly teleported into the, into the metaverse, you know, I'm talking late, late game here, but (laughs) where the people who have actually honed their fighting skills, IRL, if, you know, they're doing certain movements or, they've they've worked out in the gym in real life and they're just stronger or they actually know how to fight in real life like is there do you see a a a way where they can almost be rewarded in game for actually knowing what to do like like i'm i'm thinking of you know you have somebody who has been taking kickboxing kickboxing classes or or been training for the past seven years and then they they come to this game and you know the 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 tactics that they've learned or the the actual body movements that they do could that help them more than somebody who is like 800 pounds and doesn't <laughs> take care of themselves at all like not knocking on the 800 pounder like they should have the ability to totally thrive as well but is there a way to almost reward the people who IRL have fought and are fighters and have trained also. So a hundred percent, like a real primitive, we, we will be working real primitive versions of that into the game um, in the future. We think like we, mm-hmm. we're looking at ways we can do that. And it's a lot easier if we dev out a um, sort of open world, which is kind of in the roadmap. We mm-hmm. want to create a whole nother aspect to the game. Um, but thinking way, way, way end game, right? Like that's almost inevitable. That is definitely going to happen. But I think it would be almost a category of its own. I think it would be more of a crossover between martial arts, combat sports and other sports and the digital world. So it'll be like people doing it in special arenas, like little digital studio arenas where they play the game in VR and, you know, it's, but they're all in different countries playing the same game or in different countries fighting each other in a ring. Like mm-hmm. that, that's inevitable. That's going to happen one day because it will be a celebration of that sort of digitalization of humanity and culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it'll just be a cool thing to do. 
right? They definitely, totally. definitely, because we were going to broadcast like uh, real time rendered video of real fights. So we're going to host a fight tournament like next year. Mm-hmm. Look, we were looking into the tech to stream that live into one of the crypto metaverses, mm-hmm. but one that doesn't do video streaming. So we were going to sort of try and render it and stream the render the th- little 3d animations of people actually fighting wow um which would be really really cool and sort of like that's another early early sort of thing on that 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 line of thinking isn't it you know mm-hmm. like if you go forward just 10 years from that what do you have and you'll have the olympics you know next time we're all the world's locked down because of the virus athletes will compete in their hometown streamed into a digital arena and will watch this incredibly rendered thing where they're not actually right next to each other that's right that could happen for sure that's absolutely right oh man i'm so excited for the future you know for for people who maybe they're listening to this uh a couple years from now or a couple months from now and they're like oh my gosh i didn't get in on this early there you know I i feel like i missed out all the you know, all the real value has been captured in the crypto gaming market, in the metaverse. You know, what what would you say to people and or, or even people right now who maybe they're just getting into this and they don't have like a tremendous amount of capital to invest, but they see that it's coming and they know it's the future and they want to get involved. Like how how would you suggest people get into the world of crypto gaming, get into the metaverse and you know let's use that as a segue to talk about where you see the whole industry going and then and then we'll wrap it up after that sure um i think look if i was coming into this and i had like five hundred dollars and no idea of a thing i wanted to build i just wanted to be in the metaverse and you know it seems that earning resources to live off is a fundamental part of that somehow Mm -hmm. you know to a lot so much of it is pay to play Otherwise, you're just scrolling through Twitter feeds, enjoying everyone's art. Um, so I guess you've got to figure out how to make that money, um, if, even if it's just crypto money. And play-to-earn games are the best way to do that if, you can, if you've got time. If you've got time to be in crypto, which if you don't have time, what are you doing anyway? <laughs> um, <laughs> put, some, put, put some time into the gaming. A lot of it can be passively passive income. Um, I think I've been watching a mate posting his farmer's world results for the last month turned like $250 into 32,000, right? Just, just playing farmer's world. It's like a wax game. It's incredible. Um, You, you follow good people, find good information, like keep an open mind, but go through. And if you keep looking for good people and, and respect uh, trustworthy sources, you'll find good information and then you can find the good projects where you can jump on some play to earn and build up some revenue and then snowball it on from there. Take your, take those earnings and put it into something else starting off that's solid and strong or stick with it or whatever, you know, your strategy is, but you just got to get some skin in the game. I think play to earn gaming, right. Is something that's got years left uh, of explosive growth. Mm -hmm. Inevitably, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So whenever you get in, is a good is good but the sooner the better that's what i would be saying to everyone i'm like don't waste don't wait a few months if you're at the precipice if you're right there just get in there um but look for things that you can verify do do your due diligence on them if it makes sense that's where you should be heading um but yeah get good nft projects man good play to earn projects that's where it's at i wouldn't be hunting moonshots or worrying about a slow hundred percent gain over a few months on a trusty coin when play to earn is doing what it's doing right now not at all so so literally it's so and i just want to hear it not from me because obviously i'm biased i mean (laughs) i feel like we're all a little bit biased but legitimately for people who need an income are we at the point where we can build a full-time income and, you know, maybe we won't get mega rich instantly, but enough to sustain ourselves purely from play to earn, or is that coming not quite there yet? 
Oh no, that's a hundred percent there. That is a hundred percent there. You can look, look, Axie Infinity proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt, and it's still not too late on Axie Infinity to make a at least a part-time wage with a very low invest, a low middle middle-sized investment. Mm-hmm. But newer play-to-earn games, man, they are very very easy to replace a standard um, full-time wage. Very 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 easy. We're there, like right right now. Now it's more that that wage that people are making is, is a very, very handsome wage. And in a few months, it's going to be worth a lot more than it is right now by the looks of things. I think, yeah, there's a lot of room for play to earn. And the crazy thing is, look, just, again, just looking at Axie, they could experience 10x growth and still have plenty of room to grow. Their target demograph is... Uh, I think it, what did they say it was? It's it's people who earn less than a thousand US dollars a month and have an internet connection. And and of those people, there's 1.8 billion on the planet, and actually has one million active users. So you know, its potential for growth is that's a thousand. Insane. Yeah, and <laughs> imagine actually at a thousand x. It's like what? So obviously. <laughs> Um, Axie can't do it alone. Um, mm-hmm. and, and more and more games, that's, that's the field in which all these games are growing. And so the field is immensely huge. Axie makes up, like you said, like less than one, one thousandth of that space. And that's just that demograph. That's not your first world esports people. You know, that's not your, your main game buyers. That's just a really strong demograph for pay, play to earn. So if that's inflating the play to earn industry, man, watch out mainstream, right? Like watch out AAA studios. There's going to be right. some monsters coming out of the crypto space with more funding than play to earn for the more funding than AAA studios because of their play to earn and because of how big the play to earn potential market is. 1.8 billion of people that will that will line up to to jump into it. That's um, incredible. Yeah. It's insane, isn't it? When you do the maths on the industry, it's like, holy shit, this thing's going to be big. Yeah, it is. It's going to be amazing. Um, so <laughs> early. Oh, dude, we're so, so early. So, so, so early. We're not at the beginning. Like we've, we've had, we've had some really smart investors come in to the, come into the game and we have some multi, multi billion dollar organizations built already. So we're like, like in the life cycle of a human, of a, of a standard organic human as of 2021, because, you know, whenever people are listening, humans are probably going to be different, but, but as of a standard 2021 human, we're probably at like age one, maybe age two. So we're by, by my analysis, I could be wrong, but we're so early on, like we're not zero years old but we're definitely still in the in the very 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 beginning yeah we're we're in the infancy of this we're mm. we're we're watching the birth of the metaverse you know that's what what it's being called that's right but, um yeah we're super 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 early it's just insane to think about how big it can grow but man like as well we got to recognize that the whole this has been talked about for a very long time, things like universal basic income, things like automation and AI and its ability to put lawyers and marketers and coders out of work, you know, specific coders, mm-hmm. its ability to put a lot of people out of work in the future. Like one hypothesis is that a lot of people are going to be gaming um, weirdly, like economies will be built off play um, yes. and engaging um keeping people engaged and playing and yeah that's that's it's it's a huge huge paradigm shift in sort of a global socioeconomic structure i think and weirdly i think play to earn is an early seed but a key piece of that overall puzzle um oh 100 yeah 100 percent. i can't wait for a world where all of the all of the in-game currencies within the actual game itself like you don't have to log out you don't have to exit you don't have to do anything you just open up your menu 
and you can exchange in-game currency for any any other currency and it happens in game it goes straight to your wallet and then bada bing bada boom it's done that would give Dude. that would give us such a that would give the the, the metaverse the ability to scale almost instantly and everybody would do it like people would stop doing in, uh, pretty much everything else and they would go all in on that almost immediately when that comes dude 100 percent, 100 percent. imagine if mm, some titan just rises up with like a hundred billion dollar project to create it and it's the, he, they create it so it's just a plug-in so you know all the different fragmented games and metaverses can just literally just plug in this function or whatnot and and then it will just work you know so you, they can flip in the whole metaverse onto it really rapidly like that'd be badass i imagine it would need to be backed by some insane money for some reason i wouldn't even know <laughs> i don't know how that would work but it's that's got to be inevitable at some point because mm -hmm. it makes sense and you it seems totally doable um yeah that's going to be badass. That kind of streamlined thing is so important. Mm -hmm. That that's like it's all about the user experience, and that's what's got so much room for growth. That's where a lot of the tech advancement has to be focused. Mm -hmm. Like what you're just describing there is literally user experience. I, as a user, can like travel fluidly through this seamlessly without having to go through complex changing of this currency to that currency. It's all this bullshit. Should just be able to be immersed. It's um, fluid. It, it, it's fluid, fluid at that man. point. Yeah. And here's another, here's another benefit of that. Let's say you're playing game one and you put in 4,000 hours and for whatever reason you want to move to game B. This gives you the, this, this idea gives you the ability to convert all of that time that is represented in your items, in your, your NFTs, your skins, your attributes, your characters, you can then transfer that to the next game very fluidly. And so each player would have their own history and their own stats, and they are game agnostic. It gives them the ability to go from game to game without having to recreate everything. So if they want to play multiple games, they can kind of bring themselves to wherever they want to go without losing anything. And they can go back to game A and they can pick right back up where they left off. Oh, that's a very interesting feature. That yeah, is very interesting because it positions the player as an island among the games as in exactly i'm the player and then and there is the games mm -hmm. which is very it's very interesting that is a very 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 interesting concept it almost would create a whole nother reality like a social reality that's on the side of like focusing on the the journey that the players have taken and where yeah uh, it, it, it's, that's deep it would be very interesting to think about that mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about this stuff all the time, but um, <laughs> that's, that's, it's, it's good to, I love talking to people who are in it and who get it and hearing the, the reactions because, you know, those ideas that you have, like you're taking a walk and, you know, you're walking down the sidewalk and you're like, oh my God, did I just have an epiphany? And then, and then you go talk to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about in regards to that idea. And they're like, wait a second, that is a good idea. Like, that's the most beautiful thing to me. So, it, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I totally appreciate the, uh, the feedback on that. And, and I think it's coming. I think these things are all coming. I think they're all inevitable. So if somebody's out there and you're looking for an idea, run with it. <laughs> run with it, it hard. You can kind of assume that, that most of the... The, where you're like, huh, this should be a thing. You're like, it's probably going to be a thing in this environment. You know, there's a reason you think it should be there. And if enough people think it should be there, that's the reason it should be there. That's right. Hmm.
That's right. Well, William, I want to thank you so, 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 so much for coming on the show today and, and talking about yourself, your journey, uh, talking about fight legends, bloody faces, fight fund, fight coin, the, the metaverse, esports. I mean, we really covered a lot today. So I just want to thank you a whole, whole lot. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to put all of the links that you want people to check out into the description below so everybody's sure. listening go check that out you'll have links to everything and again i just want to thank you so so much for your time it's really been a pleasure thank you mate thank you very much it has been a real pleasure i love talking to you um support your show and i'm sure we'll have another chat in the future absolutely absolutely thank so you. ladies and gentlemen thank you all so much for listening and i will see you on the next episode